Hi, I'm Michael Winslow from Police Academy, Wonder Infinity, and Spaceballs with Mel Brooks, and you are listening to Canned Air. Inhale it and enjoy. End message. everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I'm Jack Doherty. And joining us today, our guest today, man, this guy's got some, uh, got some, he's got 25 world record, video game world records. Can you believe that? Two of which are very impressive. They, they jumped out <laughs> to me. Double Dragon beat in 15 minutes and 43 seconds. And this one is going to ring through to Candare because we did a playthrough of this game a while back, but we certainly didn't do it in this amount of time. 19 minutes and 8 seconds. Captain yeah. America and the Avengers. Yeah, we didn't even come close to that. No. It was like an hour video. It took like four <laughs> videos to cover that, so pretty impressive. He's also here to talk about uh, his paperback guides, The Easy Way Out, which are strategy guides, and man, so much more. History uh, of the game, cool artwork. Uh, there's currently one out call, uh, for the Friday the 13th Nintendo Entertainment mm. System game and uh, upcoming Fester's Quest. These things look awesome. Uh, we welcome speedrunner and high score enthusiast Steve Lynn, also known as 8-Bit Steve. Sir, how are you? Wow, that is uh, that is quite an intro, isn't it? <laughs> I know, I know. I need, I need a drink over. after that. <laughs> and a yeah, cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, I, I don't typically, I mean, I sent you guys stuff, right? Like, hey, this is stuff that I have, but I don't usually go around and say, like, I have this many records or whatever. Um, so I, I try to keep it pretty modest with that stuff. I, I find that um, when I interact with people and I open with, hey, I've got 50 video game records, they just kind of turn off, right? Like, it's sort of like from a pretentious uh, <laughs> yeah. point of view. I understand. Um, yeah. But, right, but so I. You're in good company. Our listeners are going to love that stuff. They're going to love it. I promise you. I promise you. I'm excited to talk about all these things a little bit later in the episode. But first, we're going to be talking about the hardest games we've ever uh, had the displeasure of playing. Maybe not displeasure, but the games that torment us uh, throughout uh, time. And our retro roundtable have some good picks here. And I think I went out of order. I typically say the retro first and then say, but then we're going to get to uh, 8-Bit Steve and talk more about what he has going on. But anyway, since I already fumbled through that, don't forget to find us on Twitter at CannedAirPod and on Instagram at Canned underscore Air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support and get some money, or excuse me, and get something back for said support, patreon.com forward slash CannedAirPod. Man, just a few bucks a month gets you access to a ton of uh, material. There's, of There's like now. 40 episodes of the Candare uh, Patreon pod. There's two retros on there. There's two, not retros, two comic vaults, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Uh, two radio theater projects, all kinds of stuff and more. Like, and there is a retro, though. The, the first episode, you put that on there. Oh, I, yeah, I just posted uh, episode number one, yeah. which uh, I pulled from our catalog a long, long time ago. So if that's anything you guys would be interested in hearing, uh, again, patreon.com forward slash pod. And uh, once again, we are part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Head to evergreenpodcast.com. Check out our show and uh, some of the other great shows they have to offer over there. And I think that's it, right? Am I forgetting anything? Nope. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. Here we go! <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, the hardest games we've ever played. Jack, what you got? Mine is the first version of the game, which I originally played the second version and beat it to hell so many times that I could have probably, probably gone into the speedrunning thing, but it was Ninja Gaiden 2. Oh. That's not the one that was hard, though. Ninja Gaiden 1, that game was stupid hard. Very hard. I don't know if it was just because the mechanics were easier in the second one, which, of course, that's going to make it easier. Like, you could climb up walls. You didn't have to do that weird jump to get up <laughs> yeah, the walls. Like the back and forth. That chink, chink, yeah, chink. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you could actually climb up the walls. But, yeah, yeah. that game, I don't, I don't think I got very far in it, and I ended up not playing it anymore because of that same thing. Went back to two and beat it more and more and more. But you know, it was it, it hit at the right time. I mean, ninjas were freaking everything. Oh god, right? yeah. Yep. So maybe it didn't matter you're getting far. At least in my case, I was just like, I'm playing a ninja and I'm going <laughs> up the wall. That's pretty damn cool. And it was always <laughs> good like anime. Number three is actually the hardest, I think, of this those three. The third? So yeah, number three you don't have unlimited continues like you do in one and two. Mm. And so you can actually die like really late in the game on like the end level and have to replay the entire game. Unlike in one and two, my friend uh, Ian, his uh, speedrunning name is the Retrorunner. I do a speedrunning podcast with him. A very, very niche podcast, by the way. Um, he's actually number two in the world at Ninja Gaiden right now. He's three tenths of a second away from the world record. Um, he's, he's been grinding the game for three years to get to uh, close. The guy who has the actual record has had it for like seven or eight years. Um, so he's he's about to take over on it. But yeah. Uh, Ninja Gaiden's definitely better. I find two to be the easiest of the three in the trilogy myself. I don't know if I played three or not, but two, yeah. I, I don't think it, I did. It got so easy that I'd challenge myself after a while, just be like, I'm not going to die one time. Yeah. And if I did, then I'd start over. Yeah. But I usually died one or two times. Then you get pretty bored with the whole damn concept. Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Fuck <laughs> it. At least people like yeah. us do. Yeah. Speedrunners, my God. Like, man, the amount of patience. We get but... bored too. We get bored too. <laughs> but like he's saying you 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 add a you add a flair to it right like you're bored with the game but like can i beat it without dying or now can i beat it without damage or can yeah, I, how yeah, fast I've can i do that. so you add little challenges onto it that make it entertaining i think that's with any game i mean that's been happening before speedrunning was even a thing really sure i guess i didn't think about that all right let's uh cut over to steve hardest game sir hardest game of all time that i played but this is kind of, this is subjective. You guys got to remember that I've played through about half of the NES library and considered like all of the hardest games that you can think of. And I have a book series that's designed to break down hard video games. And so hard to me is sort of relative. But um, can I do like a couple? Would that be okay? Or do you need, uh, want me to we're, Yeah, we're going to go around the circle yeah. a few times. So just do okay. like one at a time there. Uh, well, one that obviously... Oh, I'll just get this one out of the way. Everyone thinks this is the hardest game on the NES, Battletoads. Oh my god, that was one of mine. <laughs> I'm sorry. But um, one of the things that people don't understand about that game is uh, it, it's its physics are very unique to that specific game. A lot of the NES skills are transferable, platforming and shoot 'em ups and use just the same clock and the same frame. So once you get good at some of the other NES games, you can kind of transport that skill. But Battletoads isn't like that. You have to completely start from scratch and learn the physics of that game. That's the hardest part of it. But once you've learned that, uh, it gets pretty. It gets easier. The game does have 12 stages. Most people don't know that because they can't get past stage three. <laughs> yep, exactly. Stage, stage three is not even in the top four hardest stages in the game. Good God. Uh, so uh, there's stages later in the game that are just completely absurd to play. Uh, so it's definitely one of the hardest that I've played through. 
What what level was it where you were riding the jet ski thing? Was, was that three? three? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I never got past that. It was always like yes. the first jump, first or second jump every time. <laughs> and then by then I was then out you'd of... send you flying like straight into the side of something or mm-hmm. yeah, like I ugh. And by then usually out of lives and continue. So <laughs> then you'd have to spend that time getting back to it again. It was best thing about yeah. that game was the music that played when you hit pause. Yep. They brought that in the remake that they did. They just released. They have there's a period part in the game where that music's playing. Is, is it really? Yeah, man, that's cool. That game's fun. The new one. I always wanted so bad growing up for the uh, Ninja Turtles and the Battle Toads to have like a mesh up. Oh yeah, be so freaking cool. But <laughs> alas, it never happened, did it? When I make the Battle Toads easy way guide, I'll have to send you guys free copies, and then you can get oh. through the Turbo Time. I would love that. Can actually yeah, enjoy the game. Yeah. <laughs> um, can I can I tell a quick story about Battletoads? Of it course. Uh, a long time ago, I was doing interviews uh, before I became a speedrunner. I was doing interviews for this podcast here that's locally in uh, Michigan. And uh, I interviewed a guy named Sean Chiplock, and he's a voice actor from Michigan. He lives in California now, but he's from Michigan. Um, he's got voices in all kinds of games. Uh, notably, he's got three voices in Breath of the Wild. Um, he was Rash the Battletoad on Killer Instinct, and that's the story I'm going to tell. Um, he was Noob Saibot in Mortal Kombat 10, and many, many, many other voices. So uh, he's Rash the Battletoad, and I was like, oh, Battletoads is one of my favorite games. So he told the story that he's in the voice booth for, you know, for Killer Instinct, and they're like, hey, we're going we're gonna to do an audio voice for the pause. Like in Killer Instinct, when you pause and you're Rash, it makes the, the, that music you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Well, he did it with his mouth, right? So... Um, they're like, he's like, well, what do you want me to do? They're like, just do whatever you think it should sound like. So they they cut him the audio and he goes, and he starts going like off on this tangent of like noises and stuff and like air guitaring for like a quite a considerable amount of time and they never stop him. So after like 45 seconds to a minute, he just stops. And then like he hears the button click and they're like, yeah, not like that. Just do it right away. <laughs> He trolls them. Let's <laughs> uh, let him keep going. Just yeah. let him keep going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but who would have ever known that? I've never no, heard yeah. that story. It's awesome. <laughs> Very good. Um, all right. As far as hardest uh, game, how about Gemini? All these games were so freaking hard. Uh, and I think they were on uh, Super Nintendo. Well, they had to have been. It's right in the title. Super Star Wars games. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. They weren't on... Un- so hard that they were hard to beat though you could but they were they were hard before the internet came along and gave you all the codes to jump between levels it was just (laughs) nah (laughs) it was too hard especially like Tatooine in the very first one yeah and those goddamn sucker bat things that would like come (laughs) down because the like let's say you kill it you walk back two steps and then go back the way you're supposed to go it like regenerates like so quickly so, like, special weapons and stuff hardly make a dent because half the people you kill just respawn and come mm-hmm. right back out. Yeah, they respawn right off the screen yeah. at the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. That and the jaw was shooting, what, flamethrowers out of the sides and stuff like that. You had to really pay attention. There was all on the kinds of shit. I think of, like, the, uh, in Empire Strikes Back, the uh, the cave and on Hoth, like, that was a son of a bitch. It's <laughs> like, I don't remember the cave in that movie being this complex. Like, <laughs> Luke was able to run right out. Yeah, it was empty. But, yeah, so... But that's definitely on my list. That one, that one, ugh. yeah, without the codes, unplayable. Mm-hmm. All right, next, uh, Jack, what you got? Mario. Personally, what? that one's for me, yeah. I've never... What? 
Mario is one of the probably the hardest game. Well, I think I've said it before, playing with my friends all the time. I would sit most of the time and watch them play because, oh, it's your turn, Jack. All right. Do, 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 do. Dead. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <laughs> Platformers are probably the worst game, in, but Mario in particular. They're the worst for me. For but some see, reason. you didn't you didn't grow up with a Nintendo, did you? No, you no. you said before. But Mario, ironically, Mario One and Mario uh, Two were the two games I've ever like uh, tried to do speed runs in, just because of the warp zones. You know, like I can in like level one, you could in Mario the first Mario Brothers, like in the underground when you go underground, there mm-hmm. were some warp tunnels you could take that could take you to four, and then there's another one that would take you to like eight or something. You could like shoot through the game really quick if you. Were focused like in the underground world, you could jump up on the ceiling where all like the the coins and all that yeah. your points and stuff were, and just run past everything. That was the thing um, too, trying to play it. I didn't know where all the special stuff was, so I'd almost be running through the game all the way. And people were like, "Why don't you use the warp right here? Why did you miss this box?" I'm like, "I didn't even know it was there." My sister was so fucking vindictive when we were kids. And I remember specifically, I was timing myself. um, And I don't know why I was even timing myself. I guess just to go to school and be like, hey, you know, I did it in this time because there was nothing to compare it to. But every time I get close to the end, she'd see what I was doing. She'd run in the room (laughs) and hit the reset button. Just like a big, strong fuck you. You know, like, like, come on. Like... Uh, and she did it more than once in the same Mom! day. Oh, Mom! I was pissed, but of course, it's just a Nintendo game. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, that's my sad sob story. We are back around to Steve. Uh, another one on the, on the NES that people uh, think is very, very difficult. And this is probably because of AVGN, uh, but it's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. NES. Um, that's a that's a prime example of why I created the easy way, is because uh, there are some games on the console, a lot of the games on the NES that uh, there's obviously the ninja games and the battle toads that take agility skills and, and muscle memory and a little timing to beat. There's games like Jekyll and Hyde where there's no real skill involved in the game; it's just knowledge. Like once you know about the game and how it works, it becomes infinitely easier. Fester's Quest is another one of those. I just did a guide for you with paperback. Um, once you know where all the stuff is and, and how the strategies for the bosses, you can just clear the game effortlessly. Right. But playing it blind, you just die constantly and you don't know what to do. So that's kind of how that era was as they were like exploring what was going on in different genre types and stuff. But Jekyll and Hyde is uh, easier when you know what's actually happening. You know, it's like when you start a new job and they're like, okay, go through with those TPS reports. And you're like, I don't know how to do that. How do I do that? <laughs> Right. But then you've been there for a year and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. So, you know. so it's just with a little bit of knowledge. Um, and like I said, I'll, I'll send you guys some some books and you'll be surprised at how well you you'll be like, man, I'm really good at this game. This is amazing. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> just, just some common knowledge that's inside the speedrunning community that just isn't known to a lot of people. You know, we have these emulators that have we can like rip out code and, and use bots to figure stuff out. We could never do that back in the day. Sure. So, mm. Yeah. yeah, I would say Jekyll is probably the most, the second most, the hardest game that people think. I've never even tried it. I've just seen it on AVGN, you know, I, but I've never personally played it. it. You don't know it? Uh-uh. Oh, it's I'm, like one of his... If I saw it, I might, I might know. It's it. one of his most famous videos. I mean, that's how it kind of came on my radar. I'd heard of it, but I'd never uh, played it. Hmm. But, I mean, all the swearing he was doing, he seemed pretty <laughs> agitated by it. <laughs> 
Um, okay, how about um, Jurassic Park on Super Nintendo? Man, I was so into Jurassic Park, and I just wanted to love this game. And I didn't hate it. I won't say it was a bad game. Like, I didn't hate it. Um, but boy, was it difficult, because you had this huge park to explore, which was essentially a maze, limited, very limited ammo, and dinosaurs up the ass. <laughs> uh, and, and you couldn't save the game. You had to beat it all in one saving. There were checkpoints, like these tower things you could hit, but it was infuriating, so I never saw the end. Now, what I remember Nintendo Power put out a whole thing on it, and I was like, oh, here we go. Okay, I've got this, you know. And as much as I love Nintendo Power, they only gave you half the map in, like, <laughs> half the tricks. So, like... Anything, like, in the north part of the island, like, you were just plumb fucked. Like, you, they didn't tell you anything. Is that, like, an early part, or is that later that they... After so far, you'd just be like, nope, you're on your own now. I I guess, but I don't know. I mean, that's why, like, books like like uh, Steve's done here, The Easy Way, hurt, like, so awesome. Because, you know, looking at it, you get that same kind of feeling from a Nintendo power, but then you actually take something from it, you know? Like, <laughs> you can actually use it and get to the end of the game that you want to uh, play. But, I, I mean, I still like that game. I mean, it was incredible how, you know, you'd go from that overhead, like, aerial view through the maze, and then when you'd go inside... Uh, it was like doom, you know, mm, like, yeah. and uh, you had the keypad, you had to figure out, you had to collect people's cards who were dead, like their ID cards to get in certain gates mm -hmm. and doors, but just an elaborate maze with dinosaurs pretty much <laughs> is what it was. But damn, was it hard. I never did see the end of it. A lot of times, it's funny you mentioned Nintendo Power. I grew up with that stuff, obviously, and, and GamePro. And what I've realized in my, in my older age as I'm making these guides and, and you know, researching all this stuff is that a lot of these companies just gave it. They're like, hey, you, random guy that works for us, make a guide for this. And they a lot of times didn't even give him access to code or tips or tricks or anything like that. He had to basically just like call the Nintendo Power hotline, like go down to that department and get information and kind of compile it himself, right? right. Mm -hmm. And he could go to the video department and have them rip out the graphics for him. But, you know, those people weren't getting paid for that. It was like extra stuff, right? So that's why a lot of those guys are just kind of all over the place. They're like hodgepodge, you know? Yeah. Um, if you, the Final Fantasy one's really good because Square Enix, you know, like gave them stuff like, hey, make this cool and here's maps and stuff. But like um, stuff that we can do now, I can just do that all myself. I can just rip everything out of the game. And I, I know people that can, uh, I can message them and be like, hey, this part of the game here, this is really weird. Can you like figure this out for me? And they'll just break the code down and use a bot and give me actual real-time data about what's happening and how the code and logic works, right? Wow. And so I can I can do things that they didn't have access to back then. So when you buy one of our my books that's published by Higgins Alley, it's the absolute most advanced thing that's ever been produced for that particular game. Like I said, because we didn't have any of that stuff yet. Right. You know? I can't wait to look further into these books. Uh, <laughs> I have looked at the uh, Fester's. Well, I looked at both of them, actually. I did look at both of them, but um, very incredible. I mean, just it looks like a fun read, even if you don't have the game, <laughs> honestly, because, again, it's not just strategy on the game. But see, I'm jumping ahead of myself. How far are we here? 20 minutes? I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. It's not your fault. I'm just excited to talk about them. Um, where are we? Whose turn is it? I, I think it's my turn now. Go okay. for it. Earthworm Jim was one of the hardest ones oh. I played, too. And I don't even remember how far I got, but it was somewhere where there's a cow that would fall down every once in a while. It wasn't very far in. 
I got maybe three stages in. I think that's probably about as far as I could ever get. That was a fun game, though, it regardless. Was. Yeah, it was, so, it was funny and fun. Something about the way the camera followed him. You know, it was only like a second behind, kind of like mm -hmm. a cameraman was trying to keep up with him because he was <laughs> moving too fast. And I, I don't know. I mean, we always thought when we were kids, like when the dogs would bite him or something, like he'd go, damn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just taking his head out and whiplash and stuff yeah. and swinging. I think that was some of the hardest part because you weren't. You were never really clear on what you could jump on or swing from some of the times. Yeah. Unless there was, I think, maybe like a drip or something like that. that you could... It was so freaking satisfying, too, that when you did, like, land, like, say you jump and then you whip your own body and, like, hit the hook that you're supposed to. There's, mm -hmm. like, that satisfying Indiana Jones, like, whip crack noise. <laughs> like, man, like, sometimes you can just jump back and forth just to, like, get yeah. the feeling of satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I want to play that game now. I don't know yeah, if I've ever played any of the other ones. What's that? Awesome. That game's awesome. I wish they had an NES version, but it came out Super Nintendo era, forward 16-bit era. But I always awesome. played Genesis on it. I mean, I think it's the same Probably, game, yeah. just different ports, you know? Probably better color. On the Genesis? No. Genesis didn't. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, what are you talking about? Have you guys ever played a game called Akari Warriors? Oh, yeah. I okay. just saw one of the nerd talk about that not too long ago. So the reason why this one's overlooked, I think, is because there's a code in the game, sort of like the Contra code, uh, but you, you don't have to like put it in before you play. So when you lose all your lives in the game, you can hit ABBA and it'll just respawn you. And you can do that infinitely and just kind of like trash clear the game because you have infinite lives. Um, but if you try to beat the game without that code, uh, you have three lives, no continues, and four whole stages and it takes about a, a little over an hour to clear casually maybe even an hour and a half so you can only make three mistakes for an hour and a half clearing this game and there's just bullets everywhere mm -hmm. yeah um, the game game's incredibly glitchy um it's it's really really tough to complete i personally have never played through it uh i'm trying to putting it off <laughs> like, I don't know <laughs> but uh it's it's really tough i, I think if you're going to go on the nes and you really want to see like the absolute cutting edge brutality play a car warriors and try not to use that code yeah based on what i saw i have not the patience for that. even the even the games that except for mario i could probably play mario all the time but outside of that i do not have the patience for your ninja games your ninja turtles <laughs> those games anymore I, I i wish i did but um damn they just pissed me off too bad they pissed me off too bad <laughs> i actually want to try playing ninja gaiden too because it's been what 20 years at least since mm -hmm. i've played it just to, oh yeah just to see if i could still do it well you know like or have the patience to get through it a while back i bought the retron which is like the the console that will play i think it was a retron 2 it's just super nintendo and regular nintendo games mm -hmm. but um you know i'll get it out hook it up i'll get the turtles game out some other things but oh man it's gonna be cool i put that turtles game in i lose my first turtle and i'm so pissed <laughs> off i'm like oh my god <laughs> And it just, it, it, it makes me so mad to think that people actually got to the Technodrome and sh Shredder. I'm like, how? Mm -hmm. How the fuck did yeah. you do that? Like, I could never <laughs> get past the dam. I got past the dam once, I think. But uh, that was always where I lost them. I helped my friends get to, well, I remember helping through the dam, but they ended up getting to the Technodrome and they never, they never beat it. 
I don't think I was. I think I it was. I went home for dinner or something like that. And came How back many levels were there between the Technodrome and the dam? I don't even know. I think that was a, a, a big section of the game that I didn't get to see because it was at their house and I was at Yeah, home. yeah. Isn't that crazy? You, you buy these games and then you'll never see parts of them yeah. unless you like <laughs> really buckle down and make it like a, a, a you know strong priority. I, I love that game though. It's a fun game. It's still a fun game, but and the music was cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I might I have to put it. some of that in here. Didn't like it being one player at a time though. That's the only part. I yeah, switch between. Have you seen the new Turtles game coming out? Oh, uh, I can't wait to Shredder, play what's it Shredder's called? Revenge, I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God, I cannot wait for that. That's mm-hmm. going to be amazing. But anyway, we're not talking about cool upcoming <laughs> games. We're talking about hard games. But anyway, it's, I think unless anyone else had another pick they wanted to bring up quick, I think it was. I think we probably reached a good point to move on. I think going back to some of those old games just makes you mad because games now are so much easier. Even if they are hard, they're still easier to play, I think. You're, I think you're taken by the hand more so nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're. I don't think you're. Uh, I don't know. It's a. It's it's it's. It, there's two ways to think about it. It's to like think either a, these people were really trying to give us a challenge, or two, they just didn't give a shit enough about the game and made it almost impossible, <laughs> and we're going to beat it even. You know. Well, I think some of that. So. It, just the technology because you could push jump and now it'll instantly jump exactly when you always oh, the there being like a delayed yeah. reaction or yeah 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 or like in the what was it bart versus the space mutants like where they give you a jump that just barely clears anything <laughs> so uh you've got to be a pro at it but all right we're going to jump to a quick commercial and when we come back we're going to be talking more with 8-bit steve Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Right on. All right, and we're back. And uh, we are we just wrapped up our uh, retro roundtable, and we are now talking with Steve Lynn, 8-Bit Steve. Steve, again, thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me on, man. I've been talking to Randy for a long time. So. Oh, okay. Uh, we, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, we touched base on Torg last year. I was gonna, I was a guest there. I was going to be a guest there, and then COVID happened. Right. Um, yeah, and so, but I'll, I'll probably be back for Torg this year, almost certainly. Uh, it's not. I live in Detroit, so it's not very far from me. Right, right. Uh, to come down. We'll have yeah. to see you there then. We'll be yeah, there. We should be there. Yeah, we'll so, beat some games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> we'll watch you beat some games. <laughs> so, how did this all start for you? How did you first get into like the professional speed running game? It's kind of weird. Um, when you hear, there's always the cliche thing, right? That people will say like, "Well, oh, I was gaming from a young age," and you know, the thing is, it's like. There's, there's like millions and millions of these Nintendo still. So a lot of kids were gaming from a young age. So that's not a real indicator. But for me, um, I made the NES was basically the only thing that I had, right? I didn't have a lot of friends when I was growing up. We moved around a lot. So I basically was just in my house playing NES all the time by myself. And I would go to rental stores and rent games. I would complete them. I'd go back. And uh, there was a rental store that was right by my grandma's house. It was literally like a block or two away. I could walk there back in five, five minutes or ten minutes. And so my mom set up an arrangement with them right when we moved over by there. And she was like, hey, look, my son, like, beats NES games like crazy. And 
he doesn't want a three-day rental. So, like, can we work it out where if he rents a game and he wants to bring it back, can you just swap it out with another game as long as it's in stock? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. And then they, like, immediately regretted that for, like, a year's um, because I would beat a game and then bring it back. And sometimes, I think three or four times in one day, I would do that sometimes. Or I would just be like, this game sucks, and i just take it back. Yeah. And they'd give me a different game, right? And so I, I was able to play through a lot more NES games that way than I think that most people were because their mom's not going to drive them back to Blockbuster or wherever they're renting games no. to get a new one. But I could just walk over there and the lady would swap the game for me. Um, right. And so that's how I started like getting really familiar with the console uh, and that kind of stuff early on. But as far as speedrunning goes, I, I was in a relationship for a long time, like seven years, and uh, we were engaged and then it broke off. And I was kind of like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, right. Uh, and I was like, well, I like music and I like retro games. Those are the two things that I love. So which one am I going to do? And then I started to watch uh, games done quick uh, files, you know, videos. And I was like, man, these guys are crazy. Like they were at a level that I didn't even know was possible. Um, so I started to get real interested in like finding out who the best NES players were. Started going on Twin Galaxies, uh, Speed Demos Archive, all these websites and just started to play and so that's kind of how it started. I just was like, am I, am I good? Or like, can I be good? Or what is, what does it mean to be good? Like, just do I, does anyone even care? Right. <laughs> um, I would say you've hit quite the level of good. I, I, I saw on the, uh, the Jason or excuse me, the Friday, the 13th Kickstarter video, there was a quick scene there where it showed you sitting down with somebody in front of an audience. I believe it was with the Friday, the 13th game. Mm-hmm. And he had never played it before. And you just sat next to him and told him what to do, just verbally gave instructions. And having played it for the first time, he beat it his first time. Yeah. So um, before I became like a, like a streamer or speedrunner or whatever, I was just kind of dabbling and stuff. I would do these shows in Michigan, like bar shows. So I would call up a bar and it'd be like, hey, like on a Friday night, like, hey, what do you guys got going on tonight? Is there a band? And they're like, no, we have nothing going on. I was like, hey, I'll come into your bar and I'll bring a Nintendo, I'll hook it up in your bar, right? And people can come up and play it and take on these like like challenges and I'll give away prizes. I'll, I'll provide all the prizes. Like if anyone in the bar wants to come up, they try to do something that I ask them to do. If they do it, I give them free games. They're like, hell yeah. So I'd go into these bars, like gaming bars or, you know, I tried not to go to like really crazy, dangerous bars. <laughs> but um, um, so one of the things that I would do is I would... Um, I would put a bunch of games up on the board and I would say, okay, at, at nine o'clock, I'm going to play through Friday the 13th and at 10 o'clock, I'm going to do Fester's Quest and at midnight, I'm going to knock out my Tyson. And I put all these like, you know, things like little mini shows for the bar. Right. And so that just, that was like a stick that I did for a long time. And it didn't really gain any traction, but it was really fun. And I got free drinks and food and it was like, cool. I'm playing video games and it's fun. Right. Um, and so what I noticed is as I started doing more live shows and started to get more serious with the competitive side of it, people would come up to me. And the first thing that they would say is, hey, have you beaten Game X? Like whatever game, like you guys were just talking about your hard game, check. Have you beat Jurassic Park? Have you beat Empire Strikes Back? Right? Have you beat Mario? Whatever game that troubled them as a kid. They're like, hey, can you beat this game? Because mm-hmm. they all have that one game or one or two games that like they really, really, really want to beat. They could never beat them. And it's like still bothers them, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like the universal connecting force. And so uh, over a long period of time, I was like, man, why are why don't these people go back and beat these games? I mean, you can just go on the internet and go on GameFAQ and, 
and, and look up YouTube tutorials and go on speedrun.com and find all this information and play through this game. And then I'm like, then I realized like, nobody wants to do that. <laughs> nobody wants to take hours of their life and go beat in a retro game, right? They don't want to, you know, that's like a 40 hour work week to try to figure out yeah. all the information that you need. Nobody has time for that, right? Right. So I developed a video series where I kind of like broke down easy video game or hard video games. I debuted it on a Facebook platform, retro Facebook platform. The very first video I released got a million organic clicks. Wow. And I was like, wow, this is really, really popular. Like people really liked it. Um, I later removed from that platform and I just kind of had that easy way for a while and I never did anything with it. So the thing that you're talking about is I, I got invited to ESA in Sweden. So Sweden was like, hey, I submitted some runs to there. They're like, come to Sweden, show off your cool game skills, have some fun. Lots of other, you know, talented gamers were there. So the story is they, they had a whiteboard and it was like sitting in there in this room that they're in. And uh, I was like, hey, what's this? People were like walking up and writing games on it. And uh, I was relatively unknown at the time. And uh, they were like, hey, uh, I was like, what is this whiteboard? And they're like, well, we have two blocks of times in our marathon where we just have runners on site submit runs. So like they, they block off that time. They don't let anyone submit games there until all the runners get on site. And then they, the runners can write runs in there and then the staff decides which one of those they're going to put in there. It's a way for, to reward runners to get extra runs into the marathon, right? Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, how much stuff can I write on there? And he's like, write whatever you want. So I started filling this whiteboard up with NES games, right? And I'm just filling the whole board, like just writing every NES game that I can play through, right? And start, it's like 30, 40 games that I have on this board. And so the, the one of the higher up admins came over and he's like, can you really play through all those games? And I was like, yeah, I can do all those games. And he's like, well, we can't put all those in, that's way too many games. And I was like, well, I got this thing that I do sometimes for fun where I like at bars, I just, pick someone from the audience and I talk them through beating a hard video game. Would you guys want to do something like that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds cool. So uh, I was like, well, can we do three games? And he's like, yeah, we'll do three games. And I was like, well, how about a staff member? Right. And so this guy, crazy Erasmus was like, yeah, I'll do it. And we did Jaws, a boy in his blob and Friday the 13th. And so he'd never played the games before. I didn't tell him anything about it. He just sat down uh, we did Boyne's Blob first, and then Jaws, and then Friday the 13th. And he beat all three games, just just with my verbal. Wow. Comments. Yeah, no no, no book necessary. <laughs> That's somebody who knows their craft. That's somebody yeah. who follow directions. <laughs> well, it's, like I said, um, it seems difficult at first, but once you have the knowledge of the game, it you, you really will believe that it's easy. Like, mm -hmm. beating Friday the 13th is very, very easy to do. It's one of the easiest games to complete. But because of, there's so much mystery and so much unknown stuff that's going on, it's hard to, to figure out what's happening, right? Jason just seemingly shows up randomly and murders you. Um, he's, you know, he's killing everyone around the camp and you don't, you're trying to find him and you don't know what's going on. But once that's unveiled and you know how he moves around the camp and where he's going to be and what weapons are most powerful, then it's just a matter of time before you complete the game. That makes you know? sense. Yeah. yeah. Don't so be afraid of that, Jason. It's easy. <laughs> He'll be afraid of you. So after the Sweden thing, my wife and my friend were like, hey, do something with this. Like, get off your butt and make something out of this. They're like, make a book. Like, do something, right? So I wrote the Friday the 13th guide. And I was like, oh, man, this thing sucks. Like, no, one, no one's going to like this. this no one, print media is dead. Like, no one's going to buy this, right? Mm -hmm. 
And uh, I made a bunch of demo copies uh, that I self-funded and I sent them out to John Riggs and Metal Jesus and AVGN and, and, and publishers. And I just sent them everywhere and like didn't hear anything for months. And then uh, eventually came around where Higgins Alley got a hold of me and they were like, yeah, we want to sign you and, and publish this book, but we got to like, you know, we got to spruce it up because I made it in PowerPoint. I thought PowerPoint was like, Microsoft's the best and PowerPoint's great. <laughs> and uh, so he's like, yeah, no, you can't. You got to redo the whole book. So I had to literally start over from scratch and redo the whole book in, in design. And uh, we ended up making a much better quality book. It's a hardcover book that was funded on Kickstarter in one day. Um, wow. So, yeah, it was funded in one day. And honestly, if if we had conventions last year, the book would be sold out. We've I've already sold 45% of the books and I haven't even shown it to anyone. It's just word of mouth. I haven't advertised or gone to a convention sure jeez, so, they're attractive looking books that's for sure well i think people just want to learn how to beat hard games i think that's it it's, well i mean yeah but i mean i don't know there's something like i was going back to a little bit earlier with those nintendo powers though they didn't always give you the information you needed there was always a level of excitement when you had one when you were looking at the game that you were you know that was plaguing you on those pages and that same kind of excitement comes from these books but again you're getting useful information you're being told <laughs> what to do again the artwork i was seeing in the fester quest one there was even uh, like pictures from the old adams family in there like kind of put out throughout the book yeah yeah the those old black and whites are jackie coogan from the original black and white adams family the original tv series mm -hmm. and uh the box art for fester's quest was drawn by tom dubois who's like a very famous uh konami artist um, he did Blades of Steel and, and tons of other uh, box covers. He used Jackie Coogan as an inspiration for that box cover, um, yeah. like for Fester on that box cover. And there's, yeah. actually, there's actually an image of Jackie Coogan making that exact smirk that he basically copied that. Really? Uh, yep, yep. And so I used I used the black and whites in there to you know fill space on some of the pages, but it was really fun. They're nice accents, that. that's for sure. Very nice accents. I dig it. Probably use cool. one of those books for a date night with the wife. Read this and tell me what to do while I go through and beat this game. <laughs> Sounds like a great time for her. She likes to do that kind of stuff, though. If she can't interact while I'm playing the game, she usually tunes out no matter what. It you is. didn't tell me right. Yeah. I got killed. <laughs> yeah, then blame her if I die. One of the things I wanted to touch on is um, uh, the guides that I'm producing. Um, you're going to be, you, you guys are going to have links and stuff, but you can, there's a new website that I have coming out called Easy Way Guides. You're going to be able to buy all the guides there, uh, centralized source, but um, they're value-based. I uh, marketed the guides to a lower price point. I don't want to, I mean, I may have some books that come out that are hardcover that are four or 500 pages that will sell for 50 or $60, but the Friday 13th, 126-page hardcover book is only $20, right? Oh, so, yeah. um, and are my all my paperback guides are $10, right? So I don't, I'm not trying to like, you know, uh, buy a boat, uh, with selling strategy guides. I realized that this information is really niche, but um, it's very high quality stuff and you can get it for a value price point. You know, I, I want to market it to guys like yourself who don't have the time to find this stuff out and maybe work 40, 50 hours at a factory and only have a couple hours a week to game, mm -hmm. right? They're, they would be willing to spend 10 bucks to have all that information right in front of them in one book that's, you know, presented to them in a, in a logical way by an expert. So they don't have to spend hours figuring that stuff out. Right. So that's the idea behind the books. It's like, I want to help guys like yourself beat hard games that I can beat and right. teach you that it's not that hard. 
so as far as um, I'm, I'm sure these aren't going to be your only two uh, easy way books. I'm, uh, what other games are you uh, looking at doing in the future? Uh, Hagen's Alley has a. Uh, this is a sneak peek for this. I don't know when this is going to air, but uh, Hagen's Alley has a Punch Out Kickstarter coming live. Um, it's scheduled to go live on April 6th. It's hopefully going to do that. It's uh, there's a guy named Daniel L. Um, I got in contact with him, and he was signed to Hagen's Alley. He has a comprehensive uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Up book that he made like years ago and it mm. never was published. So I got in contact with him and he revamped the book and it's just like this huge expansive book, right? So I was like, well, hey, um, how about this? I'll, I'll make a Punch-Out easy way book and you know, would you allow me to sell that in your Kickstarter? And he was like, yeah. So you can buy the Punch-Out easy way, which is the next book, in that Kickstarter. It's the first place you're going to be able to purchase it in that Kickstarter. Those are going to ship first. And then you can pre-order the Punch-Out on my website when that goes live here in a few days. Um, okay. So Punch-Out is next. But I have tons of other books in the works. Obviously, everybody wants Battletoads and they want the Bayou Billies oh, yeah. and the Silver Surfers and stuff. Those are all going to come. But it's just, I want to make sure that they're quality and I don't want to just rush out uh, books. We, we just got the paperback process down. Those are brand new. We had to switch to paperback because COVID and shipping and all that. Mm. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much ready to go. I can now essentially produce as many guys as I can make with my current paperback production. That's awesome, nice. man. Well, congratulations. That's freaking sweet. Now, as far as where people can find you again is the books. I, I saw the Jason one on there. I'm not sure if the uh, – or I keep saying Jason. The Friday the 13th <laughs> one's on there. I'm, I'm not sure about Fester's Quest on uh, Hagen'sAlley.com. Uh, there's also 8BitSteve.com. As mm -hmm. well as on Twitter, and of course you're on uh, Facebook, uh, Twitch, and YouTube. Is there anywhere yeah. else we should be uh, sending people? The best place, uh, the best place to find all the information about me is 8bitsteve.com. That's the number 8bitsteve.com, right? Because that's mm -hmm. got all of my centralized stuff. You can find out about my podcast there. You can click my world record list that's updated, you know, as it, it's real-time updated. Um, you can send me an email there. It's got links to my book. Um now, if you just want to learn about the guides, easywayguides.com is going to be live here pretty soon. That's where you're going to be able to buy Fester's Quest, uh, pre-order Punch-Out, and also the hardcover Friday the 13th book. Every time we release a new book, it's going to go live right to the website. Now, one other thing that I want to point out is that these paperbacks are printed in very limited quantities, and they're numbered. So we only print 100 of the first run of all of the paperback books. So it's very collectible. They're all numbered individually inside. Ooh, nice. um, after I sell out of the first print one, a PDF version will come out and we'll, we'll potentially reprint the guide, uh, depending on, you know, popularity. Mm -hmm. um, but we're doing minimum print ones 100 right now uh, until we can have conventions open back up and I can buy them in a little larger scale. But they're all individually numbered. So if you buy one now, even if it's reprinted later, that's going to have a different number in it, right? It's going to have a different colored number and stuff. So they're all right. sort of unique in that way. Yeah, I, I and I understand not wanting to fill your house with boxes and books before <laughs> there's a convention to unload them. Yeah, that wouldn't be fun. Well, man, this has been a freaking blast. I want to thank you uh, for being on here with us, talking some of the hard games and sharing your uh, cool world with us. It has Thanks. been a pleasure. So thank you, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Well, I'll see you at Tor. We'll have a lot oh, of yeah. books by then. And we'll we'll beat some games. Cool. That sounds like a plan yeah. to me. <laughs> 
Jack, what do we got on the website, sir? Go to cannedairpodcast.com where you can see show highlights, guest info, listen to the show, follow us on all our social media, become a patron, buy some merch, see some of our YouTube videos, and if you'd like to be a guest and promote your work, send us an email on our contacts page. And don't forget to find us on Twitter at cannedairpod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And once again, patreon.com forward slash cannedairpod or just head to our website and click the Patreon button there. Um, and yeah, a few bucks a month gets you extra content that the normies aren't getting. Come mm-hmm. on, people, get in on that exclusive club. Be a founder. Hang Hand out air long enough, you can get some merch. Founder. Yeah, yeah, shirts. Uh, what else? Tote bags, all kinds of that kind of stuff. <laughs> stuff merch. with our stuff on it. Yeah, <laughs> stuff. <laughs> merch. <laughs> We're great, great salesmen, aren't yes. we? Yes. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. So until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Ethan Steve. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and be excellent to each other. are mean, so I'm running away from home. Where you gotta go? I don't know yet, but that'll show them. <laughs> it sure will. Shipwreck! Parents just don't understand, and it gets lonely on the road, so be sure to listen to the Candare podcast. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! This has been a Candare production. My name is Cindy Burnett, and each week I interview at least two traditionally published authors on my podcast, Thoughts from a Page. We talk spoiler-free about their books, so you can listen whether you have read the book or not. And then we delve into things that you most likely won't hear about anywhere else. The importance of the cover design, why they included various aspects of the story, personal details about both the books and the author's lives, and so much more. You can find the podcast on every major platform and learn more about it on my website, thoughtsfromapage.com. Thanks so much for checking it out.